Hello, and welcome to my brand new podcast. First of all, thank you so much for clicking on this podcast and showing even just a little bit of interest. Wherever you are in the world, I greatly appreciate you tuning in and whether you're listening on your commute to work, taking your dog for a walk, or just chilling with a cup of tea or even a glass of wine. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to my latest venture. So first off, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Robin Spice and I'm a 26 year old filmmaker. I've decided to start this podcast because recently I shared a film that I made about my own coming out experience. It was a film about living in a very rural town in Scotland and my experience with realizing that I am gay. Thankfully, the film got a lot of kind comments and I was actually quite overwhelmed by the reaction and the dialogue that it created. People's coming out stories are something that have always really fascinated me. And I think that's because as someone who was a, a child, I was constantly subconsciously seeking gay female role models. So I've decided to start this podcast to continue the conversation of people's coming out stories and discussing with them where they are now after coming out. Over these podcasts, I'm looking to share my own personal experiences and opinions, but most importantly, I'm looking to seek the stories of those who identify as LGBTQ+, and hear them share their own personal and unique tales. I'm also going to seek allies of the LGBTQ community, such as my guest this week, therapist Kathleen Kettles. So let's jump into the first episode. Kathleen was born on the Isle of Isla, which is in Scotland for any international listeners, and trained as a nurse at 17 years old. She also gained a certificate of education at Dundee University, but decided that both nursing and teaching wasn't really for her. Luckily for all the hundreds of clients that Kathleen has worked with, she went on to train in London in Ericksonian solution-focused psychotherapy. I think I've said that right. She has over 15 years of experience working with clients from all over the world, and one of those clients ended up being myself at 18 years old. For several years, Kathleen helped me with understanding who I was and realising actually that being gay was nothing to be ashamed of. Since working together and ending that kind of client-therapist relationship, we've become really good friends. And we've actually worked together on a number of different film projects, one of which is called 27 Houses, that is in post-production. And that's a cheeky little plug for anyone who wants to check us out on Instagram. It should be coming out in the next year or so. She's genuinely one of the kindest, sweetest, funniest people I have ever met. And my life would just be completely different if I hadn't met her. So that's why I thought she'd be an excellent first guest. Let's jump straight in. So before getting into the nitty gritty of kind of questions mm -hmm. with guests, what I wanted to do is start off with something quite positive. Yeah. Um, so to set the mood, and I think we don't ask each other as humans this enough, what do you think that you're great at? What do you think you're good at? What are your kind of plus points? Oh, loving people, caring about people and making people laugh. <laughs> yeah I'd say that was pretty much accurate for you yeah I don't know I, th I think we don't ask each other like nice positive questions enough so I think you yeah. should always think about the things mm. of what we are actually mm -hmm. great at I so. do love being with people too yeah much as I like quiet time as well I don't want to go too long without being with others in the right circumstances mm -hmm. I don't like to be forced to go into situations necessarily but I like hanging out with people I care about making them laugh cheering them up when they're down listening when they're having a bad time and just being really supportive friend. Yeah. So I think that kind of coincides with your job. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest. So yeah. 
Obviously, this podcast has an LGBTQ plus focus, mm-hmm. but I want to discuss with you to begin with a bit about you, okay. the work that you do as a reverse therapist mm-hmm. and the work that you do with your clients. So can you, for the people listening to the podcast, yeah. discuss that a little bit for me? Yeah, sure. Um, so I qualified as a reverse therapy th- therapist in 2003-04. I had done solution-focused psychotherapy at Regent's College with Dr John Eaton first and then I went on uh, to train as a reverse therapist which is very much uh, all about understanding the way the body uses symptoms to communicate with us and it does it all the time from having a full bladder to mm-hmm. needing to it to having um, IBS which is often about held in emotions and not being able to speak up and all that sort of stuff but I work with clients who present with all sorts of conditions from chronic fatigue, depression, anxiety, addictions um, low self-esteem, just all sorts of, of different uh, situations they, they come along with. And, uh, yeah, I love working with them because they come in and they're all quite nervous to start with and then I teach them how to understand why they've got these symptoms and give them strategies and tools to use to help them be well. Yeah. The most rewarding job in the world. That's probably true. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love my job. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I want to do is talk about how we know each other. Mm-hmm. So from my side of the story, I was, I think I was 18, mm-hmm. I think, about 18 years old when I first came to see you, um, and I was a bit of a mess, and I, no offence, it was like a last resort. <laughs> <laughs> I love being the last resort, I, I hear that from time to time, I've well, tried I everything. Yeah, it kind of felt like a bit of a last resort, I guess, coming to see you, but right. I never came to see you to talk about issues regarding sexuality. It was because I was struggling with one of the things you mentioned, mm-hmm. having chronic fatigue syndrome, mm-hmm. and it was actually a friend recommended, um, seeing those symptoms and seeing me kind of dealing with that, recommended that I came and speak to you. Uh, speak to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said to you, you know, before we started recording this, we're kind of wiping any confidentiality here. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell me about the person that you met in that initial meeting and how did you manage through the kind of work you do to help me? Yeah, well, when I came out, it was in the Aberdeen clinic, wasn't yeah. it? And uh, I came out of the room and there's this little girl. <laughs> I know you weren't little, you were, you were 18. But you were sitting there and you looked so, not nervous, terrified. Yeah, I was. And I thought, oh, look at her little <laughs> squisher. So, uh, so that's a professional word, by the way. Yeah. Oh, look at little you squisher. You do call me that quite bad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you came in and you had on this, it was like a woolly hat, but with a brim. Yeah, that was... Yeah, uh, yeah. a little woolly hat with a brim. And the brim was pulled yeah. down really far over your eyes and you sat there and you sat with your head down um, <laughs> sort of pulling at your nails and pulling at your skin Still do your... that. <laughs> yeah, well, cut it out. <laughs> um, and uh, you were pulling the skin off your nails and uh, you would look at me, sort of one eye would appear out of the brim of the hat and you would look at me and then you took your hat off, actually, before the end of the session. Did you I? Did yeah, because that's hat, almost hat quite like a... It was funny because I thought, look, she's warming to me, finally! Yeah. It's taken half an hour, but we're getting somewhere. Yeah. But you were very... Um, you were very held back to start with. And I think what I did in that first session was just put you at your ease and tried to let you see that I was just normal. I wasn't some kind of guru sitting there with all the answers. I was just a person who does a job that helps people become who they need to be. But from that very first session, I did know you were, were gay. Yeah, 
That's funny. Um, although you didn't, we didn't talk about that no. the first session. I think it was the second session. No, it? it was way longer. Was it? Yeah, oh, I must have been letting you just get comfortable. No, it was way longer. I think we're talking like four. Of, it was only once I came to see you in your clinic at Broughty Ferry. In terms of my side for going and seeing a therapist, like I said, I didn't come to see you because I wanted to talk about that. Because mm-hmm. I kind of had this idea that I could just bury that feeling <laughs> yeah. and it'd be fine. So wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and so I guess I had this, uh, but I also had this preconnotation of you being like, sit on sit on my couch and <laughs> yeah. uh, cry and talk about why mm-hmm. and your feelings. And mm-hmm. it wasn't that at all. Mm-hmm. And it, it was actually a very productive thing, yeah. obviously, for yeah. poor me. Mm-hmm. Um, you were great to work with, though. Although you were really shy and withdrawn, I could see that once you got the trust going in that sort of first half hour of the session, I could see that when I was going to be teaching you what you needed to do differently, you were taking it in. You were listening. And That's funny. I know. You don't listen anymore. now. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember writing down all your stuff on cards. Yeah, and you were quite good. sort of like... Oh, right, I can. Oh, so I've got to do some work. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. It was that kind of moment where, like you say, people think they're going to come in, and I'm going to say things mm-hmm. like, "And how did that make you feel?" And oh, I, no, I'm all about no, giving instructions, not, yeah. giving direction, <laughs> being a bit bossy, but in a loving way, yeah. um, in a caring way. Um, and you, you seem to really get that, and, yeah. and you weren't shy of that. You, you were a bit resistant mm-hmm. um, initially, like at second session. Have you done this? Have you done no? Yeah, no. that's so classic. Classic, Robert. No, no, not yet. What are you waiting for, actually? Yeah. When are you going to start yeah. doing things differently? Because until you start doing things differently, nothing's going to change. So we kind of had a little conversation about that with me being the bossy bossy therapist and you going, oh, all right, all right. And you were a little bit like the petulant kid in the class. Yeah, I still that. do that. Yeah. <laughs> but that was fine. I don't mind that. I think having three kids of my own yeah, true. Uh, <laughs> has taught me a lot as well. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, working with younger people. It's, it's my, I love what you're working with young folk, actually. So mm-hmm. in regards to like me as an example there, but for people who are obviously, I know there's this thing going on with me in terms of sexuality, mm-hmm. but I'm you know not going to do anything about it. How mm-hmm. does reverse therapy work? for those clients? Well, um, it teaches, as a a reverse therapist, you Mm -hmm. teach clients how to be comfortable in their own skin, how to notice the importance of not hiding from who you really are and start the process off of speaking to people you trust and letting them know what your sexuality is without the fear. So people can be so overwhelmed with the idea of how people are going to react to the news that they just go, no, not going there. I'm going to button it. I'm going to hold it in. And I'm just going to live a life that's all about being heterosexual and straightforward. It's going to be much easier. So I'll leave that alone. But if it's part of who you are, how the hell can you do that? (laughs) I am laughing. (laughs) There's no camera. There's no camera. (laughs) It just can't be seen. But yeah, I mean, very true. And so... That's taking it on then and talking quite generally. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're not going to talk specifics about your clients, mm-hmm. but um, so maybe help some listeners who can maybe identify with these common issues. What common mm-hmm. issues do you generally find with clients coming in who mm-hmm. have problems with sex, their sexuality, yeah. or indeed like gender identity as well? Yeah. Well, generally speaking, it is a, a fear of being rejected mm-hmm. by family, a fear of being misunderstood by friends. So sometimes people think. I can't tell my friend, my straight friends that I'm gay or whatever identity they, they relate to uh, because they'll think I'm after them. Yeah, or, I had that. Oh, so silly. It's not... When you're heterosexual, you don't fancy... I don't fancy every man I see. I was after one of my friends. 
sorry. <laughs> I know you that's a question for down the road. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's like, what, what is it with the with society thinking yeah. that, oh, she's gay. Oh, well, I'd better wear my high neck shirt yeah. and, my, <laughs> and my baggy trousers because she'll totally come after yeah, me yeah. otherwise. It's ridiculous. Oh, I don't know. It's a funny old situation, but mostly when people present, um, come and see me and that mm-hmm. comes comes out that they, they have... Um, you know, they're either LGBTQ+. Plus. It's like this whole business of what will my mum say? What will my dad say? What if my friends just can't deal with that? So it's very much about them getting comfortable in the room with me, sharing what they need to share, and me helping them take steps towards constructively expressing mm-hmm. what they're feeling to somebody they trust. Or sometimes it's about phoning an LGBTQ plus helpline mm-hmm. and getting more specific support. Because, I, I mean, I'm... On, I would never say that I'm totally got yeah. all the answers to to these issues for people, not at all. But there are uh, support groups and mm-hmm. helplines out there that can really give very specific and good support to yeah. people. Okay, yeah. good. Um, so talking a bit about we're from Scotland. If there mm-hmm. is any international <laughs> listeners, you yeah. never know. Yeah. Um, and in Scotland, I think still we are facing some quite traditional views on especially gender identity um, mm-hmm. but as well as sexuality so for example Scotland actually just really recently announced that they were going to be putting um, lessons on LGBTQ plus issues within the school curriculum oh, and good. I think that yeah. was just within sex ed it's uh-huh. not like you know we're going to have a whole class yeah. on it but there was some terrible backlash mm-hmm. in terms of comments I read online on the internet mm-hmm. so I've got a couple of them written down here so it was things like I was like, no child should have that agenda forced on them. It should be up to the parents if they want to teach them this. Or education mm. should be going back to the basics, like math, maths and English, not teaching them nonsense like this. Oh, dear. In terms of teaching kids about sexuality and compassion, mm-hmm. and it's way more useful than yeah. like what trigonometry, to me, would <laughs> yeah, at least no, be. was the last time you used that? I know. Um, <laughs> and then there were other comments like, why should straight children have to go through these lessons? When Why should they be forced to listen to it? Teaching a kid to be an ally to a community yeah, of a of minority is actually mm-hmm. well, it's about being inclusive, isn't it? Yeah, it's about broadening their understanding of what is out in the world yeah. and who, and who, how people are struggling to live with their identity. And so, I think that's great. Let people talk about it. Let the debate happen in schools in a supportive environment with a teacher who's done the training and mm. knows what questions are going to come up and how to answer them safely. Because it's about people feeling comfortable in their own skin no matter how they identify so if you sweep that under the the carpet and pretend that everybody's heterosexual and if you're not heterosexual you've got a problem then we all have got a problem problem. (laughs) as a society don't we yeah exactly um so what about then why do you think we do still have these kind of traditional views or at least they're still coming out even though we're in 2018 i i i feel that in, we, you and I both come from rural Scotland, yeah. parts of rural Scotland. And I think just because of the fact that we are living in smaller communities, we have less diversity across the board. Yeah, yeah, true. That there is a sort of uh, a narrower mindedness to any, any differences, uh, culturally, sexuality wise, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think when you go into the bigger cities yeah, like Edinburgh sure. and Glasgow, um, Dundee to an extent, that there are. There's more support, a mm-hmm. more supportive environment for the LGBTQ plus uh, community. So, Can what would you have any advice? Because obviously, you know, I'm someone who came from a very mm-hmm. rural community, and didn't feel like in any way, and I actually still sometimes struggle going back mm-hmm. because I still feel like very much like oh God, you know, the odd mm-hmm. one out. Do you have any advice for people who are in a community that they really do not feel 
like they can be a part mm-hmm. of or are a part of? I think the first thing I would do is get them to speak to a helpline. Mm-hmm. Speak to somebody in it with a with a real good knowledge of what support could be around for them, maybe in their nearest town. So for you, that would have been Aberdeen, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's about letting them know that they might feel isolated in their village or the small community, but without having to travel too far, yeah. they can go along and chat to other people and, and hang out with folk who are just the same as them. Yeah, that's very true. And that's the way I would start that process off, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I guess if I had... I mean, there was no one. You couldn't talk mm-hmm. about... Um, you just couldn't talk about these issues. So mm-hmm. if I even felt like I had one ally yeah. or someone else mm-hmm. that I could have, mm-hmm. you know, trusted or gone to, I think... Because I think that. that's where all, all the problems start, when we feel yeah. we're on our own. Yeah. When yeah. you feel out on a limb, when you feel you're not understood, and how could I ever be understood, because I know these people are all straight, you know, the 12 people in the village or yeah. whatever. It, it's just horrible, because people feel different, and they feel um, that if they actually admit who they are they'll be rejected and feel yeah. even more isolated than they do already in their own heads. Yeah, that's true. Um, and actually, talk, coming back to your clients and, you know, they're worried mm-hmm. about this rejection and mm-hmm. isolation, do you generally find that actually happens to them? Or are they generally very positive? Well, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. as a mother, um, I've just never had a problem with what my children identified as. And, and mm-hmm. I've always been very um, inclusive in that, in that way and just open-minded because your child is your child they're a human being just love them no matter it's not it shouldn't be conditional so for me when I hear that somebody's parent or sibling has rejected them because of their sexuality it really affects me (laughs) actually I really feel just bemused by that and completely shattered for them not completely shattered for mm-hmm. them but I really empathize and feel sad for them because you can see the pain it causes them so not everybody can accept their mm-hmm. child or loved ones um coming out that's across the board that's true the other thing I should mention is because I do a lot of my work now by Skype and telephone yeah I work with people across the globe yeah, yeah. and sometimes because of the culture this person's phoning me from I can't encourage them to mm-hmm. speak up and express themselves honestly because there is a real risk they could be hurt or yeah. even killed. And I have to say to them, I can help you with depression, I can help you with mm-hmm. the stress associated with this, but I can't actually speak to you like I do with a client here in the West. Yeah. Because although there's still people who are really close-minded and are awful and give people a really mm-hmm. hard time on the internet and stuff and troll them and all this stuff. Um, it's not illegal mm-hmm. here. Yeah, yeah, very true. Um, but in some of the cultures that I speak to and some of the countries in the world, I have to be very, very careful not to be encouraging people to speak up and tell their family and do what I do with um, people who present in this country because I, I cannot live with the idea that they're compromising their safety. Okay, let's yeah. take it back to talking about if you're in a situation as someone who identifies as LGBTQ+, mm-hmm. and you want to tell a family member, you mm-hmm. want to tell a loved one. Now, the advice that you gave for me, I think, was the only way I could have ever come out to my mm-hmm. family. Because I just didn't have the ability to sit them down. I was I was too anxious, I was mm-hmm. too nervous, I was too vulnerable to sit them down and try and explain mm-hmm. it. So what you said to me was actually wrote it through letter yeah. letter form. But mm-hmm. can you take us through a little bit of that process yeah, sure. of mm-hmm. how someone could potentially do it if yeah. they felt ready? It, and I think letter writing is good because 
if a parent isn't able to deal with the issues, then they don't hear all that you're saying. Because they've already gone up into their head and thinking, what is she saying? Mm -hmm. I can't believe I'm hearing this. This is ridiculous. I want her to be heterosexual and have, give me grandchildren and mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. So they've already gone up into their heads. So if you write a letter and you do it in a very structured way, then they can refer back to it. They can discuss it with a family member. They can really feel what you've said rather than be in a reactive head, mind space. So the way I teach clients like yourself um, is about the constructive expression. So the positive beginning, the event, the feeling, the need and the positive end. Mm -hmm. So the positive would be, hi mum and dad, um, I love you very much, I'm feeling nervous about writing this letter. So that's a positive. The event is, I've been speaking to a therapist about my sexuality and she has encouraged me to write this letter to you. What I need, so we're on to the need now, what I need you to know is that I am gay. Mm. Uh, and the, the need also in brackets, need what I prefer. So you say what your needs are. I need you to know that I'm gay. I want to be able to discuss this with you face to face, but this felt like a safe way to do it. So we've got positive event, feeling need, positive. So you're feeling nervous, you express the need. The positive end is, please give me a call when you get this letter or when you're ready to speak about it. I'd love mm. to see you. And give you all, you give yeah. you both a hug. So you you sandwich between the two positives: the event you want to speak about, the feelings you have about that that event, and the need, mm -hmm. what you prefer. So when we do that, we're more likely to have the recipient feel the extent of what we feel. Yeah. Because we're writing it from a very body mind or heart based place, rather than when we're in head to head dialogue. We're nervous, so we're up in our head minds. They're shocked up in their head minds. Or maybe not. Some parents, you know, yeah, will yeah, say, yeah, true. yeah, yeah, old goose, <laughs> we gathered that when you were 12. Yeah, <laughs> We've been waiting on you to tell us, you know, so it is different for everybody. But, you know, it's a good way to just help yourself by removing what you're feeling and let them receive it in that yeah, way. Yeah, I guess for me, I couldn't actually recommend that enough. And I always felt kind of guilty that I wasn't able to do it mm -hmm. face to face. And it was, you know, was it a bit of a cop out? But actually it was the only way, you know, how mm -hmm. you say I could have, without getting all like in mm -hmm. my head and mm -hmm. not being able to say the right things and I just get too emotional and probably just cl yeah, cry. Yeah, exactly. Whereas actually that was the only way I could tell my mum and dad mm -hmm. in a way that I think we'd all understand it. Yeah. And I'm really glad I did mm -hmm. it like that. That's good. I was very proud of you for doing that. Yeah, I remember. I, I remember really you. Because you at first were trying to encourage me to go see them at first. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you were like, I'll drive you. <laughs> <laughs> and then you were like, oh wait, no, I've got other clients. Can't do that. <laughs> I do remember. I get very passionate. Yeah, you do. <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a really in a good, good way. way. <laughs> but then we, we compromised on, on the train back because yeah. mm -hmm. I was living in Stirling at the time and mm -hmm. I got the train to Aberdeen to see. And on the train back, mm -hmm. I wrote that letter and That's then right. I, I remember posting it. And I only had a second class stamp. Yeah. And I remember posting it second class and then being like, oh my God. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, it and it took, I think it was like four, three or four days or something. Well, it wasn't that yeah. long. But I remember then being like, well, I don't know, post that yeah. first class. Yeah. Now, I would, now I'd probably just send an email. Yeah, 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 probably. <laughs> Even though it wasn't, do I don't know, because that wasn't that long <laughs> Why ago. didn't we do that? Well, how old was I? Maybe 19 at this point. Oh, I think you were still 18. No, was, I wasn't. I was 19. You, I point. saw you when you were 18. You did, yeah. So was mm. it, yeah. It yeah. was a good six months until. Yeah. yeah. Goodness, that's funny. Yeah, I don't know why we didn't do email. <laughs> I was probably thinking about my 1970s childhood. <laughs> I was probably forgetting that we had. But to be fair, I think they've still got that. 
I think my dad uh, Mm -hmm. has still got that little Mm -hmm. like note there today. So I mean, it's you're right. I think it's it's a really healthy way for them to receive it too, because it gives them time to process what you're saying, Mm -hmm. and it's a kind way to deliver the news. Because to be fair to some some parents, they just don't have the capacity to take it in. Yeah. They yeah. don't have the understanding, they don't have the experience and they they don't know how to handle it. Yeah. You know, and it's not a criticism of them, it's just mm-hmm. where they're at. You yeah, know? yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. Good. Now, mm-hmm. I opened up questions to Instagram. Because oh. you can do that, Instagram stories. I should <laughs> oh, actually I don't do, know I'm going to get us on Instagram stories <laughs> on, on the podcast. Um, but yeah, I opened this up and someone said to me, okay, what mm-hmm. about telling older yeah. So we're talking about grandparents. Mm-hmm. Would mm-hmm. you change your strategy in any way, or is there any recommendations of coming out to grandparents? Grandparents are amazing. So what we forget about grandparents is, even though externally they look old and a bit <laughs> fragile and all the rest of it, they have been there, done that, seen it all. And we forget that. Mm-hmm. We forget that a lot of grandparents and older people are kind of completely, oh yeah, whatever, very... Relaxed about it. There, there are some, of course, that are still, oh, what will the neighbours think mm-hmm. kind of approach, which is fair enough. But I would not change the trust strategy. If you have a good relationship with a grandparent or an elderly aunt or whatever, and you feel you want to include them in knowing what's going on for you, I would always suggest writing a letter. And older people like letters, mm-hmm, don't they? Yeah, true. So to construct it in that way again, the positive, the event, the feeling, the need, in brackets, what I'd prefer, positive is the best way for them to receive that. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But um, don't be surprised if they give you a better response than your parents. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Honestly, it's quite, it's quite interesting. Because all people, you know, we, we tiptoe around old people thinking they're not going to be able to hear, mm-hmm. handle the news. We're doing them a great disservice often. Yeah. Well, and what about a bad response, whether that be a parent, grandparent, a loved one? Well, sometimes a bad response is based on the fact that they would prefer you to have, in inverted commas, Normal. an easy life. Yeah, yeah, easy life. An easy life. I know, so classic. <laughs> uh, and, and what we forget is, it is not an easy life to stay in the closet. <laughs> That's a really hard life. It's a no. It's a really hard life. Agree. So I think some of that is based on, mm-hmm. oh no, they might get assaulted in the street and oh no they might have a really difficult time getting a job you know so people really worry about that older people worry about that so some of their sort of lack of openness Mm -hmm. to to the news might be based on that but if it is clearly that they are quite homophobic or whatever um then you'd really have to step back a little and let them just adjust in their own time because i would never say oh yeah well just take it back (laughs) just say to them oh joking you know (laughs) Never do that. that no, never. Do once that. you've started the process yeah. of coming out, never retract it because no. you're not getting the reaction you hoped. It isn't always easy. Of course it's no. not. And it doesn't always go the way we hope it's going to go. Yeah. But once you've started it, you will start to attract the people that will support you and will love you and are there for you. And that's what's important. And other people around you who maybe take a bit longer to come to terms with it all, they will get there eventually. And if they don't get there eventually... Well, so be it. Yeah. You can't force it. You hear a lot um, amongst the LGBTQ plus community. You've obviously got your family, but there's also you find your own family mm. in a lot of the sense. Yeah, that's, the, that's And I think true. my best advice for people who are potentially maybe struggling with a bad uh, response from a parent or a grandparent, mm-hmm. you probably 
there's a community out there waiting for you, whether that mm-hmm. actually be online, which there is a lot of now, or whether mm-hmm. that be you actually are part of a club or a group or just your friendship group, yeah. is that those people could be your family as well, mm-hmm. you know, you can consider, and that's your chosen mm-hmm. family. So yeah. remember that there will be other supportive people around you, even that's if right. mm-hmm. your main family members yeah. are not, would be mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Take on that. Cool. So well, let's keep on track with parents. Mm-hmm. So you once said to me, and you've kind of mentioned this already, but Mm -hmm. as a parent, you should never have this perfect picture Mm -hmm. of how your child's life should look. And that really stuck with me. Mm -hmm. Um, What recommendation would you have to a parent if their child has just come out to them? Well, love them. They are your child, first (laughs) of all. And as a parent, I could not imagine putting conditions Mm. on the love of my child. I have three children and one of them is in a same-sex relationship and that's absolutely fine. And all three of my kids have known from the very beginning that it matters not a jot to me what who their partner is, who they choose to love. I genuinely don't see what the big fuss is about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember you still say that to me. It's and you're true. Because like, I had this like idea in my head and it was such a big deal and it's yeah. like, oh my God, it's like I've murdered someone <laughs> Oh my god! And you actually had to say to me like, they, "You haven't murdered someone, or something, you know, <laughs> no one's like, died. No, you've not yeah. like done something really, really horrendous." And it took me years to kind of mm-hmm. work out that actually mm-hmm. you were right. Like it, mm-hmm. it's just so isn't that awful though? Yeah, it's that bad. It, today in our mm-hmm. culture today, you still have people like yourself mm-hmm. still have that belief in their heads. Yeah, it's awful. Mm-hmm. It's so. It's so horrible to think people yeah. suffer like that. You know, life has got its challenges in every section of our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, personal life, family life, friendships, work, health, all of that. Mm-hmm. We should not be making this <laughs> one of those obstacles or yeah. hurdles that we've got to worry about and try and overcome. It's part of who you are. It's part of who people are. Wouldn't it be great if we could have this world where, like, child just came home and said, I'm going out with this person. Yeah. And as long as they're a nice person, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And, and they, they love they love each other. So let's do that mm-hmm. as parents. If any parents are listening, <laughs> then just... Do your child. Just love them. <laughs> <laughs> um, perfect. So let us talk about... And we've spoken about this quite a bit, actually. Mm-hmm. Gender or sexual fluidity. Mm-hmm. So... Oh, sorry, that's a cat. cat. (laughs) Sorry, the cat is in the room. It's not like your stomach or something (laughs) going on. Come Um, on then, cat. Hello, cat. Which one? This is Bertie. This is Bertie. I'm very allergic to cats. Oh, so you are. I've got got Puritan. That's fine. (laughs) So, right, gender and sexual fluidity then. So, I'd love to hear your opinion on this, because we have spoken Mm -hmm. about this in the past. But what's your idea of... It being on a spectrum, whether that be gender or whether that be sexuality, this idea of there being a spectrum. Right, okay. You don't so have to be gay, straight. Well, in an ideal world, we'd all be pansexual, wouldn't we? That's your new favourite thing. That's my new favourite thing. It is your new favourite um, thing. I just think that, I know it's been said a million times before, but mm. love is love is love. Yeah. It, when somebody is a really hardline, if you can call it that, yeah. heterosexual, I always think, oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, we're all humans. And and people do think they're heterosexual, but then fall in love with a person Mm -hmm. of the same sex because they just fall in love with that person. And that's okay. Yeah. Because we're humans with emotions. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about the spectrum thing. I've not really thought about that much. But but I think we... 
the pansexual thing, which is something I've only just been... You're, you're <laughs> loving it. I love that one. You do, I yeah. Love, I love it. Because in an ideal world, I think we, we should all, all be yeah, pansexual. I, agree. <laughs> I do. I just think, let's just be pansexual and then it'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> well, it's just that kind of idea of being open to yeah. love. love whatever. Yeah, love you know, whoever love because we're all human and you can fall in love with whoever you want to fall in love with. Yeah, I guess as a society, there's this, we've constructed male, female, masculine, yeah. feminine, yeah. gay, straight, mm-hmm. that now, within 2018, it's, whoa, yeah. we can, mm-hmm. we don't actually have to follow these binary lines sort no, of thing. That's right. um, and I think you're actually right in terms of that comment about pansexuality, is this idea that mm-hmm. whoever, whatever we're, we're all human beings living on this earth, and anything that encourages more love for each other <laughs> is better than all the hatred we're trying to well we're not trying to just hear about it all the time yeah. don't we it's just like there's too much of that and just love who you love and don't be worried about that mm-hmm. and I know that's very simplified because I, I know. know culturally we're not great at being open and accepting as much as we would I would like and lots of other people would like but I hope that it's getting better. I mean, I really hope it is. I think so. And I think you're right in terms of your comment about cities mm-hmm. and yeah. you know, spaces down in London, mm-hmm. um, whereas we are a little bit more kind of closed off to yeah. this almost openness mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. where we're from um, and potentially where we live now. For people who are identifying as part of LGBTQ plus community in these places, it is that bit harder, mm-hmm. but potentially in other places. Yeah, yeah there's, there's much more diversity. And mm-hmm. with that comes... An increased awareness and knowledge, then, doesn't mm-hmm. it? That, yeah. That this is normal. So this is normalised. Whereas if there's twelve people in a village, and one person is LGBTQ plus is is in there, it how on earth can they comfortably and confidently step out? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm it. It would be too difficult. I I can completely get that. But that's why you need to speak to somebody on the helpline, find your local support group, yeah. and get out there and start realising you're not an alien. Mm-hmm. Yes, agreed. Mm-hmm. Right, so we're going back to the issue of coming out. And you hear a lot of come out when you're ready within the LGBTQ plus mm-hmm. community. Like, come out when you're ready. Don't force it yet. But how do you give advice to someone who maybe isn't quite ready to speak their truth almost? So mm-hmm. I had a question on Instagram and it was someone who's saying, you know, they identify as a different gender than what's been given mm-hmm. because of what, how they were born. Mm-hmm but they're not quite ready to tell their friend and family yet. Right. How would you suggest they mm-hmm. deal with that if they're not quite ready to open I, up? If they're not ready to open up, then don't force it. Definitely yeah. don't force it. But if they have a friend that they know is completely unconditional in their love for them, I would start by telling that one person. I would start by finding a way to communicate what they're feeling to that person. But we, you know, we all have that person that we can speak to about anything. And if there is that one then that can just help take that first small step towards being much more open and sharing it with the bigger community. But that fear, I don't think, is is um, uncommon. People are often just not able to take that initial step. So the initial step can be done the way we described before, mm-hmm. in, a, in a letter form where we send it to somebody that we love and trust and tell them. But if it feels too... If it makes you feel too vulnerable to write it down, because that can be shared, and you really don't want yeah. that to happen, mm-hmm. then I would suggest meeting up with a person mm-hmm. or on the phone to somebody that you feel is completely has completely got your back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would do that one-to-one mm-hmm. in some way, but not writing it down, because that can make people feel very, very vulnerable. Yeah, vulnerable mm-hmm. as well. 
Another question that I have, um, <laughs> this is a funny one for me, because you've given me advice on this in the past, but how do you recommend, at least within the lesbian, gay, woman community, mm-hmm. there's this idea of, is a rite of passage almost of falling in love with your best friend. <laughs> it's a bit of a rite of passage that you can have a bit of a crush on your, yeah, yeah. your you know, friends. That's like, very kind safe of though, up. isn't it, as well? It's very safe to have a crush on you when yes. you're first coming out. Yeah, so do you yeah. have any advice for some people? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I don't mean specifically me. Asking for a friend. Even <laughs> asking for a friend. Asking for a friend. Classic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> of dealing with falling in love with your straight best friend. Right, so your straight best friend, I assume, knows that you're gay. Is that what no, you mean? no, they didn't. Oh! Okay, so we're going with, like, n- they don't know. They don't know. Right, okay. so you, okay. are, you, are, you are at that kind of initial stage, you're maybe 15 years old. You've maybe had boy crushes in the past and suddenly like, whoa, I actually fancy my best yeah, friend. Yeah, okay. That so, idea. right, so you have a crush on your best friend. You know that they're, or you think they're heterosexual. So if you were going to be coming out to that best friend, Mm -hmm. then you would start off by doing that. So in the way we've discussed, either speaking face to face, I've got something I really want to share with you. Um, This is the story. So so once they get to know that, that would be my first step, telling the friend that, confiding in them that you're gay. And just going with that for a while and seeing what support you have in that form. And then you can use humour because actually, sometimes we think someone's straight and they're mm. not. So you can use humour by saying, if you weren't so straight, yeah. you and I could make a great couple. Ha ha ha, jokey jokey. Yeah. But actually that then plants a seed in that person. Oh, I should maybe tell her that I'm actually also gay. Or whatever. <laughs> or bisexual, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, true. But, or pansexual, <laughs> uh, which is the word of the day for me. <laughs> um, yeah, I think using humour is quite a good way to relieve the tension that mm-hmm. is in your own mind about having a crush on your best friend. Yeah. So bringing a jokey kind of way of, of saying, oh, you know, gosh, you're right. You're really my type, but you're my best, you're my straight best friend. Yeah. You know? So saying yeah, things yeah, like that sure, can help just kind of um, break the ice with that. And then they mm-hmm. can sort of laugh with you. It's a, it's out and they probably on a, some level know that you mean it. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you've said it yeah. now and then, so it's not in your head anymore. So it's not going to be causing you as much kind of torture <laughs> yeah because I mean yeah. it's quite a tor- I, mm-hmm. my recommendation for any people struggling with that is like you will get over it yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly and you know if they're not interested mm-hmm. in any way which you can maybe work out without yeah, having sure. to tell them mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. is it, it you will get yeah. over it eventually and you'll meet someone yeah. who is mm-hmm. right for you but it, mm-hmm. I mean it can be a tough place to be because it's quite lonely and you're, yeah. you're you know they're your best friend as well and yeah. you're suddenly like oh but that's probably why you're attracted yeah. to them because I'm quite like that in yeah. any way I'm only attracted to people I'm friends with yeah exactly mm. should I be worried or no <laughs> <laughs> I'm not into the older woman oh yeah rotten <laughs> ageist <laughs> actually I guess there's no camera on you again <laughs> Kathleen's a wee bit older than a wee bit older I'm just older. a wee bit five tens and no units yeah, yeah. Just a wee bit older than me. And for any international listeners, that means a little bit older than me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Forget this. Yes, I think your advice is good. But yeah, I think to remember that it will pass over. Yeah, it will, will get over mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. if they don't reciprocate it, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Of course. <laughs> of course it is, yeah. And you've said it in a jokey way too, which lets them know it's kind of real. You know, you're letting it be heard. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So I think we're coming to the end of any questions that I had for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so is there anything else in terms of this topic area? Because you know, it's, it's so broad mm-hmm. um, and I'm well aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I mean, we focus specifically kind of on coming out. Is there anything else within this issue or on this issue that you don't want to comment on? That I guess the, the thing that, and it's become more apparent to me over the years of doing this work, it's 15 years I've been doing therapy now, and the only time, sorry, the cat is purring quite that's loudly. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, it gives this kind of authenticity. <laughs> well, that's good. The cat is very purry today. Um, yeah, I would say that the only time I would not encourage somebody to speak up or even write a letter saying how they really feel, um, expressing what they're going through and the, you know, coming out to anybody, is if their safety is compromised. Yeah. If it puts them in jeopardy in any way, physically mm-hmm. uh, or, or mentally actually, I would say find another way of speaking to people yeah. who can support you. But if you feel family members aren't going to take it well, if there's a, th- if there's a real physical threat to your well-being... Yeah find another way speak to a support group online mm-hmm. speak to somebody who can support you and get the support you need but but don't put yourself in jeopardy yeah mm-hmm. that's a good advice well thank you you're very well for your expert opinion and <laughs> coming on this is the first episode of Yay, the podcast it? yeah i think, oh, I think that's how we're going to release it Great. so thank you very much for coming on and i'm sure we'll probably end up having you as a future guest once we've anything uh, at all i'm very happy uh, to help got some uh, more questions yeah, to ask so well, i've really enjoyed that thanks robin thanks so let me pause that. We can Ah, that was good. If you got this far, thank you so much for listening to my first ever podcast. And thank you once again to my lovely guest, Kathleen Kettles. I hope that some of the listeners could find these discussions useful. And I thought a conversation with Kathleen was an excellent place for us to start with this podcast. So the exciting bit moving forward is looking for guests to interview. I've got a number of people in mind and a few people that I have already asked to come onto this podcast. However, if you have any recommendations of people you would like me to talk to, then please do reach out. Or if you indeed yourself feel like you have a story you'd like to share about any experience involving LGBTQ plus issues, then please do get in touch through a private message on my Instagram at Robin Spice Media. Also, if you have any topic ideas that you'd like me to discuss, then please again get in touch and let me know. Finally, I know from listening to other podcasts that if you are listening through Apple Podcasts, that a five-star review and a written comment can be really helpful in getting this podcast seen by others. So if you enjoyed the episode, then please leave a review. I got this idea from one of my favourite podcasts called Stuck. So for each five-star review and comment within the first few weeks of this podcast being broadcast, I will donate a pound to LGBT Youth Scotland. So a review for this podcast can also help the leading Scottish LGBT charity. I'm really, really excited to start this podcast. As a videographer, I constantly have to be quite a perfectionist regarding my work. I end up not really releasing or producing work because I'm super pedantic about its quality. Everything's got to be absolutely perfect. But it is really nice to find a medium that's quite stripped back and unedited and I'm really excited about this venture moving forward. Hopefully this is something I can do either fortnightly or maybe even weekly if I get my act together. Thank you again for listening, and I really look forward to hanging out with you next time.